Welcome to the Life Central Podcast. It is so good to have you come and connect with us again this week. We trust that this session will be helpful to you in your faith journey. Thank you for joining us today and a very warm welcome to you, especially if you're visiting with us for the first time or a guest with us. We trust that this will be the first of many. Now, last week, we brought up this idea that Peter, one of the followers of Jesus, landed with a group of people in his day. And, and this was the idea that he dropped to them. He said, be hospitable to one another without grumbling. Be hospitable to one another without grumbling. And this word hospitable is what we latched onto. This word hospitality is really the word that we latched onto. And the original word used here is, um, is the Greek word um, philoxenos. And I'm butchering it. As I said last week, I am. I know I am. Uh, but essentially, it's made up of two words. The first word being philos and the second word being uh, xenos. <laughs> so philos is derived from the word phileo. And phileo is a form of love. It's, it's this friendship love. It's the love that you'll find amongst friends, amongst family. Uh, that's, the, that's the sort of love that phileo love refers to. Um, the second word is the word xenos. And xenos means stranger or outsider. It's where we get the word xenophobia from. Uh, so putting these two words together, we, we get this philoxenos and really meaning to love the outsider or the stranger as a friend, to love the outsider or the stranger as a brother, as family. And we, we kind of looked into how Jesus did that as he, as he walked the face of this planet. We, we essentially translated that into our lives where we just spoke into the different relationships that, we've ha that we'd have, uh, the spaces we found ourselves where, where we were in need of love, where we were in need of protection, of family, where we were in need of healing, uh, where we were in need of a, a new story, a story of redemption. And throughout Scripture, we see these different people coming into contact with Jesus, needing these different things in their lives and how he offered it to them and how we should offer it to the people around us. That essentially we should take this hospitality, this, this love that is found within this word of hospitality, and we should flesh it out, that we should live it out amongst the people around us. And that as we do, we create environments where people can come and find healing, protection, love, family, where people can come and find a brand new story of redemption. Now, within living out this kind of love, there is a question that we need to ask ourselves. And as we get into a 
moment in the life of Jesus where he essentially asks his audience this question, I believe that his question resonates from his conversation with a, a specific man and with a group of people. It resonates across the pages of history into your life and into my life. So let's get into it. Essentially, it just comes down to this. It says, one day an expert in religious law stood up to test Jesus by asking him this question. Teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? So first off, we see that this guy is a, he's an expert in religious law. So, so we could really call him an attorney, right? A lawyer, like that's, that's his profession. That's what he does. He's, he's an expert in this. And then he goes on to ask a really good question. Teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? I mean, that's a question we should all be asking. I should be asking that. You should be asking that. What should we do to inherit eternal life? But Jesus being Jesus, he, he understood that there was a question behind the question. He understood that, that the question that was being posed was not the ultimate question that this man had for him. So Jesus answers this way. He says... What does the law of Moses say? What does the law of Moses say? How do you read it? What's Jesus saying? He's saying to him, what, is, what does scripture tell us? What does the law of Moses tell us? And, and here's how the lawyer answered. And the, the, the lawyer answered with, with something that everyone in the audience there probably would have answered with. Because it's something that they were taught as little kids. Here's what, he, here's what he answers. The man answered, You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind. Now, earlier on, some other people had asked Jesus the same question, but just in a different way. They essentially asked Jesus, What's the greatest commandment? In other words, What's God's top priority? For you, for me, for life today, what's God's top priority? And Jesus answered with these exact words. These words that they'd been taught as kids, these words that the lawyer knew, that he knew, that everyone in the crowd knew. And he said, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind. But then Jesus took it a step further. And Jesus adds this, and he says, and you must love your neighbor as yourself. You must love your neighbor as yourself. Now, this was huge to Jesus' audience. This was massive to Jesus' audience because this signaled a shift from this, this, this vertical engagement with God to like this horizontal fleshing out our love for God. But this wasn't new to Jesus. Jesus didn't say this first. What Jesus was doing in the moment, he was just quoting the Jewish scriptures. He was quoting Leviticus 19 and verse 18, where the author says this, says, do not seek 
revenge or bear a grudge against anyone among your people. Very key little phrase there. But love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. To his audience, when he said, and love your neighbor as yourself, what they heard is, so love your people as yourself. There was clarity for them with that because of what Leviticus 19 said, that, that amongst their people, they should love each other as themselves. And everyone knew that. They was listening to it. So we come back to this encounter with the attorney. And it was very obvious by what the attorney says next that that attorney was there the day that Jesus had that encounter with that other group of people. Because the attorney doesn't stop there. He answers Jesus and he says, You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, and all your mind. And then he carries on and he gives Jesus the answer that Jesus gave to that group of people on that day. And the man carries on and he says, and love your neighbor as yourself. He gives Jesus, Jesus' answer. But behind this answer, he had an agenda. You see, he had another question that he was trying to trap Jesus with. Now, I can only imagine that in this moment, as Jesus heard his answer coming back to him, Jesus must have smiled because I don't think that that happened very often. See, the man didn't just give him the, 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 the vertical answer, love the Lord your God. No, he gave him the horizontal answer as well, love your neighbor as yourself. What he was saying was ultimately, whether he knew it or not, you can't be good with God if you're not good with the people around you. Jesus responds. He says, right, do this and you will live. But the attorney wasn't done. Uh, now he had the opportunity to ask the question that he really wanted to ask. What he really wanted to ask is, what is the, um, the minimum amount of love that I can show to my neighbor and still be okay with God? The text carries on and says, the man wanted to justify his actions, so he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? And who is my neighbor? neighbor. And Jesus does what Jesus does. He goes on to respond, to answer the question by telling a story, by telling a parable. And as Jesus tells a story, this, this, this story is Jesus' most disorientating and most paradigm shifting that Jesus would ever tell. Here's what Jesus said. He said, a Jewish man was traveling from Jerusalem down to Jericho and was attacked by bandits. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him up, and left him half dead beside the road. Now to Jesus' audience, this sounded par for the course. Everything that he said there, 
they could relate with. This sort of thing would happen. Man was traveling, bandits found him, beat him up, robbed him, took his clothes. Why'd they take his clothes? Because clothes were super valuable back then, and when you robbed something, someone, you, you took their clothes. It was the, the done thing. Um, so as Jesus tells the story up to that point, his audience is still very okay with the story because they understand it. But you see, as I start telling the story to you now, you already know what the story is. You already know that it's the story of the Good Samaritan. Why? Well, the truth be told, the Good Samaritan is more than just a story that Jesus told. It's more than just a parable that Jesus would tell. Across history, it is transformed into into what we today call an idiom, which is really just this fixed expression. It's this set phrase that we use all the time. Think about it. We would say, oh man, that guy was such a good Samaritan to those people. Or, or we'd see someone helping someone out and we'd say, oh man, that person's such a good Samaritan. How powerful is that? How powerful is it that after all these years, this moment in the life of Jesus has become this expression that we use? But just for a moment, imagine how powerful it would be if we lived it out beyond just an expression. Just imagine the power that this holds. Just imagine how transformative it could be if we took it beyond an expression and actually fleshed it out and actually lived it out. And the truth be told that if everyone who ever heard this expression, everyone who ever heard the story would live out what Jesus was expressing through the story, we would change our communities. We would change our society. That's how powerful this really is. Back to our story. He carries on and he says this. He says, By chance, a priest came along. But when he saw the man lying there, he crossed to the other side of the road and passed him by. A temple assistant walked over, looked at him lying there, but he also passed by on the other side. To put it into our context, essentially what Jesus is saying here is the pastor walked by, saw the guy broken and bleeding, ignored him, and carried on. Then the worship leader walked by, saw him broken and bleeding, and walked right by. And in all truth, what both of these men were probably thinking was, you are broken and bleeding, and you deserve it. That was the common thinking of the day was that if you're broken and bleeding you probably did something that made it happen that you deserve this so why would i mess with anything that is broken and bleeding <laughs> and deserves it not getting involved i'm not getting involved in this the crazy thing is or the truth behind it is that there are still cultures to this day, there are still countries to this day that function on the same way of thinking that if you are broken and bleeding, 
you probably deserved it. Now, here's my question. Why don't you and I think that way anymore? Why don't you and I think, hey, if you're broken and bleeding, I'm going to just leave you alone because you deserve it. Whether you are a Jesus follower or not, we don't think that way because of the teachings of Jesus. Because of what Jesus taught and how his teachings have shaped our modern thinking, we don't think that way anymore if you're living in the, in the predominant Western world in the 21st century. But yet everyone who was listening, they also realized that with Jesus making that connotation of loving your neighbor as yourself, they knew that if what Jesus had said, if, if that loving God and loving people was, was God's like number one priority for us living out our lives this side of eternity, then, then these two guys were in trouble then these two guys were essentially doomed. And everyone listening understood this. Jesus continues. And he says, Then a despised Samaritan came along. Then a despised Samaritan. Now gain. In our context today, we don't really grasp the whole thing of the relationship between a Jew and a Samaritan in the day and age that Jesus was telling this story. The best way to describe the relationship between a Jew and a Samaritan back then is along the lines of like institutionalized racism. To, to, to kind of look back at our history as a, as a nation and to, it would very much be along the lines of the apartheid regime, very much along that line of thinking. You know, Jews and Samaritans wouldn't speak. They wouldn't hang out in the same places. Jews and Samaritans, they wouldn't, they wouldn't touch each other. They wouldn't interact. They wouldn't uh, allow their kids to get married. Ultimately, they absolutely hated each other. They hated each other to the degree that as Jesus was telling the story, as he was explaining how this man was beaten up by these, by these robbers, how that translated to his audience was that these men were probably Samaritans. You know, who beat him up? Who robbed him? Who mugged him? Those Samaritans. Those, those Samaritans, they did it. And before you and I get all self-righteous in the moment, let's just stop for a moment and ask ourselves a question. How often, when you hear of certain crimes happening in certain areas, how often don't you attach a certain people group to that incident? How often don't we attach a certain people group to that incident. Who do we naturally assume did it? Just as Jesus' audience naturally assumed that a Samaritan was probably guilty of this crime. So often we naturally assume that a certain group of people did it. 
Jesus carries on. Then a despised Samaritan came along. And when he saw the man, he felt compassion for him. What? A Samaritan felt compassion for the Jew? Lord Jesus, you surely aren't going to be turning the Samaritan into the good guy in the story. It says, going over to him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine and bandaged them up. Two things that are super important there. Firstly, a Samaritan touched a Jew. That was so uncommon. And secondly, he spent money on him because olive oil and wine was not cheap. (laughs) And yet he dosed his wounds in them. Jesus carries on. He says, then he put the man on his own donkey and took him to an inn where he could take care of him. Again, here we go where the Jew is placed on the Samaritan's donkey. The Samaritan walks while the Jew is carried by his donkey. Jesus carries on. He says, the next day, (laughs) which implies that the Samaritan spent the entire night with this man, tending to him, caring for him, looking after his wounds, making sure that he is okay. Imagine what was going through Jesus' audience in that moment. He says, the next day he handed the innkeeper two silver coins, telling him, take care of this man. If his bowl runs higher than this, I'll pay you the next time I'm here. If we're honest, for Jesus' audience, this was way over the top. Way over the top. The crowd at that point must have been absolutely stunned. And then Jesus, then Jesus did something that no one in his audience would live long enough to fully appreciate. Jesus redefined neighbor from that day forward. He redefined neighbor for everybody of of, of every nation, every race, every culture, every tongue, for every generation moving forward. From this point forward, no one would be able to define neighbor as someone from their own people group, from their own ethnic group, from their own language, from their own culture. No. Jesus even expanded the definition of neighbor beyond the Jewish scriptures. And he did it all with one question. One question. You see, guys and ladies, this isn't a Christian thing. This is a human thing. If you're watching this today and and you're not a Jesus follower, you don't have to be a Jesus follower to live this out. This question asks you and me to examine our own hearts. This question asks you and me to examine our own prejudices. This question asks you and me 
to look beyond what we may have been taught growing up, may have thought growing up. Do introspection and examine our own hearts. Here's what he said. The question that he asks is this. Now, which of these three would you say was a neighbor to the man who was attacked by bandits? Which of these three would you say was a neighbor to the man who was attacked by bandits? Guys and ladies, this this is not a hard question. This is not a hard question, let's be honest. We know the answer to that, don't we? His audience knew the answer to that. But what was Jesus really asking in the moment? What Jesus was really asking in the moment was, which one of these three loved the Lord, his God, with all of his heart, with all of his soul, with all of his mind, with all of his strength, by loving a stranger as himself? That was the question that shifted the thinking around the word neighbor forever. And the crowd, the crowd was quiet, possibly very much like it is on the other side of the lens right now. The attorney, he must have been thinking to himself, why on earth did I ask this question? Why on earth did I try and be clever in the moment? Because you see, the attorney knew that whatever answer he gives, he will stand accountable for his answer. Just as you and I know that as we approach this question, whatever answer we give, we will stand accountable for the answer that we give. And the man replied, And please pay attention. He could not even say the word Samaritan. No, here's how he replied. He replies, the one who showed him mercy. The one who showed him mercy. Then Jesus said, yes, now go and do the same. Now go do the same. Some translations say, now go and do likewise. See, soon after this, Jesus became a neighbor for every man, woman, and child as he took their unpayable debt of sin on himself. See, all your problems, all my problems, they all stem from sin if we're honest. And Jesus would be the Samaritan for you and for me. It would cost him more than olive oil, more than wine. It would cost him more than two nights' accommodation. No, it would cost him his life. But neighbor love would never look the same again. As you and I today, Just consider our next steps. This this question stares us straight in the face. 
Which of these three would you say was a neighbor to the man who was attacked by bandits? Which of these three? Who was it? It was the one who saw the need and met it. Who saw the price and paid it. Who didn't talk himself out of it. The one who saw the need and met it. Who saw the price and paid it. And who didn't talk himself out of it. I believe if Jesus was here today asking you and me this question, he'd ask you and me, which of these three loved the Lord his God with all his heart, with all his soul, with all his mind, with all his strength, by loving a stranger as himself? And again, the answer is, the one who saw a need and met it, who saw a price and paid it, and the one who didn't talk himself out of it. Guys and ladies, that is what it looks like when I make Jesus central in my life. When I make Jesus central in my life, I become that Samaritan. I see the need and I meet it. I see the price and I pay it. And I do not talk myself out of it. So which one was it? That's who it was. And that's what it looks like when I make Jesus central in my life. And Jesus would look at you and he would look at me and he would say, now go and do likewise. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you, Lord. Lord, that we do not have to hide behind our excuses, that we do not have to hide behind our own thinking, Lord. But Father God, that you've given us such an incredible example through the life of Jesus as to how we should love one another. Regardless of what we look like, regardless of what we sound like, regardless of our background, regardless of where we grew up, but that Jesus came and changed the word neighbor for me and for each and every one of us. And Lord, I thank you that we can today with courage come and respond, come and respond to, to, to his call for us to go and do likewise, to go and see the need and meet it see the price and pay it. Lord, and to not talk ourselves out of it. But Father God, that we can follow Jesus in his example, that our lives will echo his words where he said, no greater love is a man than to lay down his life for his friend. May we show that hospitality everyone that we come into contact with. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.
Amen. And thank you for being with us again this week. We look forward to seeing you again next week. If you need to reach out to anyone, please do so by connecting with us on any of our social media platforms. We'd love to connect with you. Thanks. If you enjoyed this session and you'd like to know more about us, then please come and connect with us through our website, our social media platforms, and come subscribe to our YouTube channel. All the links are listed below. Beyond that, we trust that you have an incredible week.